0: Ha 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 ha.
1: Hello, fantasy and horror fans, and welcome to Scares and Satire, the special seasonal swords and satire semi-spinoff. Boy, this is a lot of S-words that I'm throwing at you right now. But anyway, this is the podcast where we turn spooky low fantasy into devilish high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Malkal, here with my satanic co-hosts, devilish co-hosts.
2: Sure, (laughs) that works.
1: (laughs) I already called you guys devilish last week, so I was trying to be original, but it didn't work out. Hmm. Consistency is what they come for. Demonic. Let's go with demonic co-hosts.
2: I'm Chelsea Halliwell here, a rebel disguised as a saint.
1: Oh, very nice.
0: Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. It's real nice. And who are you? Oh, Oh, me? Me? (laughs) I'm Jack Olander, the devil who keeps stealing everyone else's food from the office mini-fridge.
1: Oh, you truly do belong in hell.
0: (laughs) What can I say? It's it's my job. It's what I do.
1: (laughs) Well, guys, this is another scares and satire mini episode where we're going to rewrite some history by talking about a spinoff for the movie Aramintari colon The Blacksmith and the Devil. And we've thought long and hard about it, and we've realized that the part of Aramintari that we thought most deserved some new attention or a spinoff of its own was Hell, the best part of the movie.
2: Yes, but first, we usually give our listeners some key takeaways from the film uh, just to remind them about what it was all about.
1: Sure. I mean, I'm sure they just watched the movie and have just listened to the last episode. But I mean, I guess a recap wouldn't hurt. Mm -hmm.
2: Some of the key takeaways from the film were that uh, demons are real and they come to collect people's souls after they make packs with them.
1: That's basically what I would have expected. (laughs) Yeah. Also, other other fantasy element of the movie, blacksmiths are real.
2: Right. And as is typical, they're kind of traditional evil, you know, cruel men. That
1: seems to track with the film, yes.
2: <laughs> you know, I don't think
0: I actually saw him smith anything helpful in that movie other than crosses. And, I, you know, I don't even know how helpful those actually were when it came to the demons.
1: Well, I'm assuming he made all of his door spikes and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, he probably did.
2: And the traps. Those are important.
1: Oh, yeah, he probably smithed those bear traps that murdered people and and... <laughs> Provided some um, antics throughout the film, humanoid traps, and we know that he is a smith of some power because he can use his own hand as a blacksmith's hammer.
0: You know, it did it did seem to imply that that was an effective strategy—punching <laughs> hot iron.
2: Yeah.
1: It is a that is like a skill for at least like a 5th level blacksmith. Like you don't start that at level 1 or level 2. Like you got to start at least getting some experience before you can do the hand the hand hammer. Yeah. Definitely.
2: So another takeaway from the movie was that Ushue is a 8-year-old girl who's a badass.
1: Yeah. Most important takeaway of the movie probably.
2: Yeah. And uh She can make friends of human or demon ilk.
1: And snakes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. She's a real charismatic type. Yes.
2: Uh, One of the final takeaways of the movie that we want people to remember is that the structure of hell seems to be kind of corporate Mm -hmm. in essence. Like, there are different departments with managers and greeters at the (laughs) gates.
1: If hell doesn't resemble any corporation then i don't know what hell is supposed to be
2: yeah all right so i think that that's all people need to really remember for us to get started
1: sounds about right to me let's get into it So, guys, like one of the parts of the movie that really stood out to us was how the demons, as Chelsea said, basically have a corporate structure to (laughs) the underworld, also known as colloquially hell. Yeah. So, like, Sartael is talking to Alistair, who's like his manager. Alistair has the ability to demote sartile or like shift his department to a, <laughs> like to punish him for yeah. not being good at his job so that means that there's like a structure to hell which makes sense i mean we know from D that hell and devils are lawful be- creatures they have to follow structure and order
2: and he referenced um demoting him to the fourth Layer of Hell, which is a reference to Dante's Inferno, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Right. So in this world, also Dante was a prophet.
2: Right. <laughs> we could work that into the show.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh god. I wish I knew the Inferno better.
2: But it's the uh, that's the layer where all the sad people go. And
1: <laughs> was that accurate to Dante's writing, or was that just a little embellishment from the film? Unfortunately,
2: I only have general knowledge of yeah. the book so i i haven't um studied it in great detail so i can't say
0: yeah as far as i know it's separated into sins, sins? yeah and you know sadness is the worst one of all
2: yeah so oh, okay it looks like it was the fifth layer of hell so maybe i misremembered the line from the movie
1: Oh, Chelsea, you are fired. I'm gonna have to demote you to the seventh layer of hell.
2: What's that one?
1: Uh, let's just say people who get information wrong on podcasts <laughs> because that is definitely where our listeners are gonna wanna send you after that little flub.
0: <laughs> the seventh layer, oh boy
1: now is that is hell not unlike a guacamole dip like is the seventh layer of beans? <laughs>
0: The seventh layer is definitely beans. You just are in an ocean of beans, and you're like, why is this? Why?
2: <laughs> and it's also a seven layer dip that's been left to sit out probably a week after its expiration date.
1: Oh, I figured you were going to say like a millennia after its expiration date <laughs> since we're talking about hell.
2: I just had an,
0: a mental image of a guy trying to wade, you know, stay afloat in an ocean of sour cream on whatever layer th- of <laughs> hell that is, right? And then something he he feels something brush past his legs and he's like, "Huh? <laughs> what what was that?" And then someone just emerges from the sour cream, drenched, squealing in pain and rage. Oh. He just has to swim away as fast as possible. Jesus. <laughs> Now that's a good hell right there.
2: Okay, so we can incorporate all of this good stuff into our idea. And so
1: wait, just... sour cream hell?
2: No, the <laughs> different layers of hell. Oh, okay. So okay, so as Jamie was saying before, we thought we just really loved this version of hell and how there were greeters at the gates and how they were kind of complaining about their jobs and stuff. So it gave us this idea to reboot this or.
1: Just spin it off.
2: Do a spinoff. I think
1: the movie stands as it is.
2: Yeah. So do a spinoff of hell as a workplace sitcom. Oh,
1: I love it so much. It's like Superstore, but slightly less evil.
2: Right. Right. And, and better. So...
1: <laughs> Damn, shots fired.
2: <laughs> it sucks. So, um, so we already have the premise, right? So why don't we outline the pilot episode?
1: Okay, so we, so we have to assume that, like, Satan is corporate, like the CEO.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, so maybe... Maybe people only ever talk about him, though, in the first season. Like, he's going to be probably introduced as the character later on, like maybe right. at the end of the first season.
2: Yeah, because our main characters have to be, like, low-level demons. Maybe even starting out as greeters to the gates. That's probably, like, entry-level position, you know? Yo,
1: I'm sure, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's where or you Or that's, training. like, for old demons
1: who are, like, kind of, like, getting Let's phased. out. Let's say it's out. a mixture. Yeah.
2: Yeah. New trainees and old demons.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so they would never even see the CEO of their company. No. Right? So. Uh,
1: Satan's down there in the deepest, you know, ninth circle.
2: Yeah. I'm a fan of uh,
0: imagining, like, it starts out, you know, post movie, Alistair realizes he's got to go tell his boss what happened, right? Oh and man. It, he doesn't answer directly to Satan. No. No, no. of course not. Uh, you know, he's just in the tempting humans department. And so let's say like the head of that department could be like uh Buffamit, for example, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh he's you know, he's getting ready, he's like, Oh fuck. Uh you know, uh this is gonna really suck. Uh, You know, I don't want to let my boss down and I'm just trying to do my job. These, you know, that guy, uh, uh, what was his name? What was the demon from the movie?
1: Alistair or Sartail?
0: Sartail. Salatar is like such a troublemaker. I'm getting in trouble because of him. He goes to Bafamit and Bafamit's like, you know, Alistair you you just counted garbanzo beans on the ground and let them escape in front of everybody.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I Alistair... bet I bet he was, like, hoping that nobody noticed that because, like, yeah. there was such a kerfuffle when the blacksmith got in, when Paxty got in.
0: Yeah. And uh, Bofomit's like, you know what I got to do, right? And Alistair's like, oh, please, like... It was a, there was a blacksmith involved. It's not my fault. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I've got bosses too, Alistair. You gotta be demoted. And he's like, Oh, no. This is so bad. He gets demoted to like one of the shittiest layers. His new boss is like the demon Pazuzu, who everyone is like, Oh, fuck. Pazuzu sucks so much. <laughs>
2: Maybe the, um, Maybe the third, that it could be the third circle, Gluttony. Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yeah, and was like, I don't want to deal with those guys. Oh.
2: Yeah, it's more about the pain of, like, being demoted and, like, everybody knows what happened to him. Yeah,
1: because Alistair was, like, a big deal for a long time.
2: And so he could be like one of the primary antagonists of the first season. And you set that up in the first episode.
1: Well, I think he should. I kind of want to turn uh, Alastor into a slightly sympathetic character a little bit. Just like he fucked up and he's kind of getting like pushed down in a way that makes you feel a little bit bad for him. You know, he's a, de- he's a devil one all, but mm. like... You know, he was trying to do his job.
2: I would like to set up a mythology that the demons are souls that have been in hell for so long that they finally have rid themselves of their guilt, but they're not worthy enough to go to heaven. So they become demons, lord, uh, like torturing other new souls. That oh, come
1: I imagine that they are completely content with their demonic existence.
2: But I'm saying, like, they they used to be human souls and they've turned into demons after being in hell for so long. And that's how you get them.
1: So they're not like fallen angels.
2: Well, some of the higher level ones are, but I'm saying the low level demons.
1: Oh, like the greeters and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like Sartail.
2: Right, yeah. like Sartail would be one of those.
0: He even has a human form. That could be his original form.
2: Yeah.
1: He seems to be at a shapeshift to some extent because he can, like, take on the form of a child. And... But
2: maybe it was the child version of that self.
1: Could have been. Could have been.
2: So um, I think that in the pilot episode, we kind of learn all of these about all these parts of hell from the perspective character. That's a newly created demon in the method I just outlined. And they start out as a greeter and they're being trained by an an older demon who's like on their way out at the gates.
1: So we need a name for our perspective character. Maybe pick a great actor, a great TV actor to play them.
2: Shartail, no, um,
1: damn,
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. The other demons are like smack talking sartile for leaving. They're just like more like, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: that's great,
2: uh no, no, we
1: don't talk about him, <laughs> yeah let's just call them like Susan, <laughs> Susan, the demon,
2: no sus, Susan,
1: Susan, I'm sorry, uh. That's, a, That's pretty good. <laughs> <Kinda> like <laughs> Susan. All right, all right, hold on. Hold on. Borgo. <laughs> I like Borgo. Borgo's a good one.
2: All right. So our demon's name is Borgo, and he's learning it reminds how- Reminds
1: me of Torgo, so I like it. <laughs> <laughs> he's
2: learning how to torture new souls that are coming in.
1: Yeah, to you gotta you gotta stick them like we gotta have good pitchfork for yeah, them yeah. to kind of stick them while they're coming and like it
2: starts out with him getting his first pitchfork.
1: Oh, that's a big day in any demon's life. He
2: gets his his locker <laughs> in the, <laughs> the locker.
1: I, I would say they get their uniforms, but like all the demons or all the devils look naked in the movie, so I guess they don't really wear uniforms. Yeah, but like the I think the pitchfork is like a custom. Thing, kind of like a wizard's wand, right? Like, you have to have the pitchfork that just suits you just right. Like, right. maybe he gets to pick one from a wall of pitchforks. Yeah, yeah that's good. You and get to so, pick, like, how bendy it is and, like, how many points it has.
2: Before they know where to place you in what circle of hell, you start out as a greeter. Partly because it's, like, the low-level position, but also partly to kind of get a feel for your personality as a demon and where you would fit best.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah, I feel like every circle of hell is like a different department Yeah, and we're going to get to know different department heads as we go. And like Borgo is going to have like a romantic subplot with somebody who like is in charge of the lust department and, ooh <laughs> and like probably a, a rivalry with like the devil from like the violent circle.
2: Yeah, maybe it's even somebody that he started out his first day with and they end up in a a higher position of as him when they get transferred in like season two.
1: Oh, man, is Borgo going to be one of those protagonists who just never can catch a break?
2: I think so. I think that has to be it. And he's got to be really unhappy with his position and like speak out against the structure of hell. And- oh,
1: man, I feel like I've been Borgo. <laughs>
2: I I want him to have a human buddy, too.
1: Oh, like one of the souls? Yeah. Like maybe one of the souls who's not like just totally full of shame.
2: Uh Mm-hmm.
1: So like they have a little bit of a personality.
2: Right. They retain... It's a soul that ended up retaining part of their personality. And like he's supposed to be torturing him, but he always fucks up. And like this human soul ends up helping him sometimes. And that's how... He, like, is able to complete some of his tasks as he's got a friend as a human. Oh,
1: oh, absolutely. I was actually figuring, like, he never actually tortures this human. He just, like, basically they're, like, in the torture room and the human's like, oh, God, no, stop hitting me with that pitchfork or whatever (laughs) and like the demons outside are like okay yeah borgo's doing his job whatever but inside they're actually like having a conversation about like the devil that borgo's like really like falling for or whatever or like how borgo's really bummed about like his boss is coming down on him for letting a lost soul escape or something
0: yeah yeah i'm imagining they're just like sitting on the ground playing cards yeah. Well, she's just, like, pretending to be tortured.
1: Yeah, just every once in a while, it's like, oh, owie. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and then his boss, you know, he's confiding in her. He's like, you know, I'm supposed to torture these souls, like, whip people. But, you know, it, it kind of sucks. I'm not, like, I'm not very good at it. And even when, you know, I try to give it my all just seems like the souls want this to happen. And like, you know, I'm getting complaints that people aren't having a bad enough time down here. They're (laughs) complaining to my boss.
1: I feel like every time souls are filling out their little feedback cards for like, how was your torture this, you know, today? They're always like, oh, it was really nice. And then they're like, Borgo, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah like uh, it, was, it wasn't as bad as yesterday and they're just like borgo you're on the fucking last straw right now dude
2: and like one of the greeters that was training him when he starts out at the gate is like trying to give him advice trying to tell him to like stick to the straight and narrow don't try to reinvent anything Well,
1: not the straight and narrow the of cro- hell the crooked <laughs> and and wide
2: okay fine. <laughs> i mean in hell, like don't rock the boat
1: right exactly
2: just just stick to what you're told stick to the manual they've got to have a fucking manual for torture
1: of i mean they have a manual for everything right this is hell it's just all bureaucracy
2: yeah stick to the manual don't try to like color outside the lines
1: it's like a really and, convoluted system where you have to memorize like hundreds of like sub codes within each code
2: and borgo keeps trying to figure out all these creative ways To make it look like he's really good at his job when he doesn't really do much of anything.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) Which is pretty commendable if you think about it from the perspective of like a devil or a demon.
2: And it fits really well (laughs) within a corporate structure too.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
2: Oh,
0: wait. I really would love to see Borgo at some point go to the fifth layer where the sad people are. And that's why they're just talking all the time because he's like they they'll listen. They're sad. <laughs> <You know.
1: laughs> they love they love hearing my stories. Yeah. Now I wanna add a subplot with Borgo's friend, the soul who what, what, he kind of confides in.
2: Named Daniel.
1: Well no, it's a lady. Oh it is? Yeah.
2: Oh.
0: Danny then.
1: Jack was saying her Dana. and I thought I, I don't want to I don't want this to be a total, you know, hell sausage. Dana. Fest.
2: Yeah.
1: OK, yeah. so I want to add a subplot with Borgo's lost soul friend who Chelsea just named Dana, where she is actually not somebody who thinks that she belongs in hell. She thinks there's been a mix up. And Borgo agrees because everybody coming into hell is always like, oh, punish us, punish us. We've been so bad. But Dana is never like that. So Borgo knows something's wrong, that she doesn't belong here.
2: Yeah, I like that. Like, she seems to be more aware of her surroundings and more cognizant than the other souls do. It's almost like the rest of them are in a dream, stuck in this narrative loop that they can't mentally break away from and she seems to be more sentient than the other souls do maybe
1: yeah like she's super lucid she's able to like carry on this conversation maybe that's how borgo finds out about her maybe we have like in the first episode we see him like torturing people and they're like oh yes yeah i i deserve this i deserve to be punished for for the terrible sins i committed and dana's like hey like what the hell yeah no pun intended I shouldn't be here. I was a good person. And Borgo's like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Like, all the souls are always, like, trapped here. Mm
2: -hmm. So, yeah, it could be, like, she doesn't feel like she should be there. But then he could, like, try to help her. He could agree to try to help her escape it.
1: Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Like, he's going to try to get her into heaven and then like is again this is like season three or four like borgo and dan and dana go to heaven and then it's a demon in heaven and we see that heaven is actually this anacro-communist like utopia
2: <laughs> because it's
1: the exact opposite of the corporate yeah. structure of hell right I like that. it's this really cool like chill free love place where everybody just is taken care of and things are super mellow for everyone and everyone just kind of like doesn't have any ego or anything. And they share everything like a real heaven would be.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love the idea that they come up with a plan. They're like, you know, no one has ever gotten out before Borgo. I don't think we can. I don't think it's possible. He's like, well, everyone always tries to escape by going up. But, you know, I don't think anyone's ever tried to escape by going down. You know, let's, yeah, maybe if I get promoted down the layers of hell all the way to the ninth layer and I meet the boss, who knows, right?
2: Yeah, because then he might be sent on missions to Earth, and that could be a way for them to get out. Oh, man, oh. is it,
1: like, through his friendship with Dana that that's when Borgo starts to build the ambition to be good at his job? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah,
0: I like to imagine, like, around the lunch table, someone told him about Sartael and how they're like, yeah, when he was on Earth, he just ran away. They haven't even caught him yet. And Borgo's just, like, wide-eyed. He's like... No kidding. What's this about being sent to Earth? Oh yeah, you need to get into the temptation department. He's like, oh I need to I need to get that job, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, gotta get
1: that big promotion.
2: Nice.
0: Yeah. And uh yeah, that could be a good plan. Also, I like to imagine in one of the episodes they have to run like a uh mandatory drill, like a blacksmith drill.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're like now,
0: You've all heard of the blacksmith that's roaming around down here with some holy bell, and he probably won't show up here, but, you know, just in case, you know what to do.
1: You know the motto in hell. If you see something, say something.
0: Yeah, exactly. File a report.
2: (laughs) It just goes into a pile that never gets seen again.
1: (laughs) Just like real corporate
2: reports.
0: (laughs) You actually have to fill out tons of paperwork down there, but they don't read it. They just throw it into the fire.
1: Right. I mean, because the
2: torture is filling out the paperwork. Yeah, because like the demons
1: are also kind of the victims, too, in a way. Like they are also being punished by having to work within this corporate structure. I can't imagine a more hellish existence than that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, they're having a bad time.
2: I think that we're already doing it. So I'm going to just kind of lean in a little bit and say that once they get to heaven at some point, this might be in season two or three, but um, once Dana and Borgo are in heaven for a while, they eventually get bored because it's too perfect. And they try to figure out a way for her to get a physical body and go back to earth to like try to disappear into earth and become human. And since Borgo would have still is technically working in the Temptations department, he has the, be, been given the upgrade to be able to um shapeshift.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> into human form. So when he's in heaven, he's going to have to be in human form too so they don't figure out he's a demon.
0: What is up my fellow blessed souls? <laughs> <laughs>
1: praises be upon you that's the thing that humans say right hey you know what
0: my favorite thing about being in heaven is not getting whipped am i
1: right
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh that's strange i haven't thought about that in a long time oh yeah me neither just nice to not have that happen
1: All right, so let's like let's nail down our pilot here. Okay. So we we meet Borgo. He's a devil who just got brought up to the big leagues. Well, I'm using D and D terminology. Devils are lawful okay. creatures. I guess they say. Well, they use. De- I think they use devil and demon interchangeably in the movie, but well, I don't even think they say devil.
2: They do not ever say devil. Well, it's that's- only in the title.
1: So we meet Borgo. He's a demon who just got his demon form from being a corrupted soul he's getting his pitchfork he's doing his orientation at the new at his new day at the job i don't think we meet dana until like episode two or three like after we kind of get this establishment of how hell is run we want to like establish the rules of hell this is when he
2: meets his rival
1: yeah, he meets like his important rivals, some of the principal characters. We meet the other demon from the lust circle that he's going to fall for. Yeah. But we want to keep it like sweet and not creepy. He's not like a creeper. I think
2: they're all starting out their first day as demons together and they all end up in different departments. But maybe Borgo. <laughs> Um,
1: He definitely had to do, like, an aptitude test, and that's why he gets stuck as a greeter. (laughs) Because he just doesn't have any ambition.
2: Yeah, but uh, maybe when he's at the gate, there was a manager from uh, one of the other circles of hell. And um, he, like, did something to fuck up their pitchfork or made them look bad in front of everybody else by mistake, like an accident. Maybe he accidentally trips them with his pitchfork or something.
1: Oh, like while he's trying to, like, stab a human in the butt, he (laughs) he, like trips up another demon or or stabs another demon in the butt.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I assume that
1: hell has a lot of butt stabbing. He's
2: got he's got this, like, middle manager demon who has it out for him. And that's why he only makes it into, like, the first or second layer of hell once he's promoted from a greeter. Yeah, there's other <laughs> demons
1: just always just keeping him from being able to ever rise up the ranks. Yeah. Or rise down the ranks, drop so, down the ranks.
2: A big part of um season one is going to be him like trying to figure out how to get out from under this manager's thumb.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's kind of Borgo's like strength as a character is that he has no personal ambitions, but he will do whatever he can to be lazy. So like having like being a greeter is like the most intensive job. Like if he gets a sweet job in one of the circles, he doesn't have to do as much work. So he will work super hard to fake it.
2: Yeah. And to get
1: a position in like the greed circle or something like that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause he probably thinks the people in the greed circle are pretty interesting to talk to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yes. I love to think that, you know, he's thinking about trying to get these, you know, promotions so he can try and help Dana get out of here so he can have an easier life. Right. And uh, he and Dana are coming up with this plan, maybe in like a cafeteria area. Right. (laughs) The (laughs) lunchroom. Yeah, exactly. And he just sneaks Dana in there sometimes or something. I don't know. But then or uh, maybe he was just talking with her in a place they thought was private. Yeah. But then, like, someone sits down with Borgo and he's just like, uh, you look kind of familiar, right? And the guy who sat down with him is, is like just Alistair in a chef outfit because he was moved <laughs> to the gluttony layer. Yeah. Nice. And so he's just like one of the like top chefs who just orders <laughs> people to make food all day and consume, right? Oh
2: my God, Jack, you are brilliant.
0: Yes. yes thank you.
2: <laughs> the- <laughs> gluttony circle is the cafeteria hell yeah yes yes that is amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so alistair in a chef outfit right comes and sits down he's like hey hey kid hey new guy i heard your plan (laughs) oh shit yeah big twist yeah yeah Yeah, I can help you out, man, but you gotta help me out too.
2: You gotta get me promoted with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: that guy, yeah, the manager who's been giving you shit, you help me get his job,
1: and I'll help you. Oh, man, that's like, that's, I think, the season one, like, final part of the arc, maybe.
2: Right. Yeah. That's
1: that's, uh, Borgo trying to get a job in the greed layer i think
2: right
0: yeah it's good and the greed layer might even be like you know the temptation you know subcommittee right (laughs) or whatever might be part of subcommittee yeah (laughs) might uh, might be a part of the greed layer who knows
1: i think so i think absolutely yeah
2: yeah i like that the gluttony layer is um the cafeteria. So what would the greed layer be?
1: Corporate. Ac- acquisitions. <laughs> acquisitions. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Accounting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Accounting.
0: Oh, God. I like to think that in the cafeteria in Gluttony, uh, you know, there are all the demons that go there to eat, right? And ha- like enjoy and relax. But there are also just a ton of souls like chained to the tables just to, like forced to consume more food.
1: Right, yeah. It's like Homer and the donut-eating machine. Yeah. But, like, um, they're not enjoying it, I guess. Yep. I think that they keep all the de- uh, all the souls chained there to, like, you know, punish with this food thing, and they're all screaming and moaning, and, like, and the other demons are supposed to enjoy that sound. And Borgo's just like, oh, like, I don't know why the other demons like the sound of misery so much. It's just so fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's everything about demons, Borgo's not into it?
0: Yeah. Dude, I was just thinking, like, Borgo is just, like, he's sitting just at a table trying to enjoy his food, but he's clearly not having a good time, and the guy next to him is like, hey, man, you really ought to cheer up. It's not so bad down here. I mean, don't you love the sound of all the wailing? And then just, like, a super, like, gorged with food, about to burst sort of person. Mr.
1: Creosote type.
0: Yeah, screams out, and, like, a chunk of food from his mouth lands right on the middle of Borgo's food. (laughs) He just lands, he just looks
1: down really sad. (laughs) Just takes his tray and dumps it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This would create a lot of good gags for, like, the type of food that would be served in hell and
1: yeah maggots (laughs) rotting whatever just rotting stuff taco bell
2: right
0: indescript gray paste
1: (laughs) i just just love like they're going like down the line of like (laughs) hell's food is like maggots and uh, like demon entrails and then taco bell and borgo's like oh no way
2: I like nah. I like the jokes about like being super picky posh vegans and like everything has to be just so. <laughs> the
1: demons are like yeah, that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. they're torturing each other too when they go to order and stuff like that.
1: Oh god, just like being smug at one another?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, sure.
2: <laughs> I mean, no no shade on vegans or anything but i just think it's a funny trope it doesn't have to only be that it could also be people that are just like super particular about what they eat i
1: was gonna say it's the it's the inverse it's the people who are like oh like what you don't eat meat like they're very shame they they shame borgo for not wanting to eat like rotting human flesh or something Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Uh, oh we could use all of this stuff
1: yeah I love to think that like some of the demons are in
0: like the line to get food and Alistair is like, all right, what can I get you? And they're like, "Uh, I'll take some of those garbanzo beans, the chickpeas, and they start snickering and uh, he's just like,
1: (laughs) I don't think they serve serve chickpeas in uh, Hell's cafeteria. I don't think that would go over very well. No,
0: they probably don't even serve it. He's like, guys, come on. You know, that's not on the menu.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's, like, the troublemaker demon who's always, like, being a dick.
2: And, oh, I love how, um, also, some of the, um, like, tastiest looking food items are always out of stock, or, like, they're always out. Oh, yes.
0: (laughs) That's just the display one. We don't actually serve that slice of cake. Oh, (laughs) son
2: of
1: (laughs) a... God damn it.
2: You can have a Twinkie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: There's always Twinkies in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, hey, Alistair, maybe you could give us some bell peppers for lunch today? Come on, guys. Not the bell thing again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. That's just, you're breaking my balls, guys. Come on. <laughs> All right, well, we've had enough food talk to uh, give George R.R. Martin a chubby. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What else do we want to cover for episode one? I think we need to reiterate the things that affect demons in this world. So, like, having to count chickpeas that are thrown on the ground, the sounds of bells are really bad.
2: Um, We have to find
1: clever ways to kind of remind the audience about these things.
2: Right. Uh
1: and yet still there's a Taco Bell in hell, so.
2: <laughs> and, uh, holy and nobody
1: ever questions that Holy,
2: water hurts, holy
1: water hurts them. Holy water hurts them, yeah. Maybe that's, like, all part of the orientation. Right. And, like, Borgo's sitting there, and he can be the meta-commentary on the show. Like, they're going through the list of all these things that the demons shouldn't need to hear, because they all know this, and Borgo can say that. It's like, why are we... Talking about this, like we all know this, we're all demons, like everybody knows that you don't need to tell us that. And like, that's the commentary on this, but also, that's the shitty part about working at any corporate job where you have to go through these orientation trainings and relearn the things that everybody fucking knows. Yeah, so first thing
0: we gotta cover what is pain? Oh, god. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's great. I like how like, he's getting okay, so the pilot is like meeting all these characters learning about the mythology through the orientation. He's going with this group of new demons to the orientation hall. They're there for so many hours. It they've just lost track. Right. It could even be days. Then <laughs> they they're at the gate. They do a shift at the gate altogether. This greeter or not the greeter, this uh, like team leader who's led the orientation is taking them through all these different steps. They like stop off in the cap- cafeteria at one point to introduce that.
1: That's where we get to meet Alastor. Yeah. I love to imagine he's
0: like, greed, he's a greeter at the gate, and he's kind of not confident just standing there with his pitchfork, not even brandishing it.
1: Yeah, he's like he's trying just, different forms, like yeah. hunched over, or like standing up really straight. And, it, and someone runs right
0: up to him, and they're like, punish me, please! And he's like flustered, he's like, "Ah, uh, uh, what do I, what yeah. do I, and then uh, other souls just start running up to him and like grasping at him, trying he- to... Like beg him to be punished, he's getting swarmed and overwhelmed. <laughs> he's like, Hey, back off. Do you back think Borgo just off.
1: faints like in that first experience?
0: Yeah, they they knock him to the ground and just start <laughs> swarming him. And-
1: then he has to get chewed out by his boss yeah. about <laughs> fainting in front of souls.
0: I like to think uh, one of the souls takes his pitchfork and just starts hitting their head with it, (laughs) not even stabbing themselves, just like hitting their head.
1: He's like, my pitchfork! (laughs) That's not how you use that!
2: And I I think at the end of the quote-unquote day, which could be, like, you don't know how time works in hell. It could be any, like, long amount of time, but it's like the end of their orientation day. It's the
1: end of their shift, basically.
2: I think that like the first episode could even be titled just Orientation Day. And at the oh, end Oh, what could
1: be more nightmarishly hell like than that? Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, at the end you see that all of the new recruits uh stay uh, together in a bunker and they just have bunk beds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what horrible tortures we have we are putting upon these poor demons. And they're
2: always like kind of smell they smell weird. And uh, have stains on them and everything. <laughs> but they're expected to kind of, like, personalize their bunk and to, like, give it some zazz. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's great. The, the manager
1: just keeps saying zazz and Borges is like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> You got to just zazz up your space. No. One of them has
0: like stickers all over their bunk and it's like, how do you even get those? Where are those from?
2: (laughs) There's like a lost and found box people have to go through to try to personalize their space. (laughs) And that's what you see them doing at the end of the day. So like, even when they're in their personal space, they're never truly off the job that way.
1: I
0: love to think the lost and found is like super just cursed. It's
1: like, it, oh, it, it, it's like this it, terrible combination of the two most nightmarish hellscapes you can imagine. A corporate job and camp.
0: Yes. What's uh what's this? Maybe I could maybe I could customize my bunk with this. What is this? I think that's just loose sausage casing. Oh, <laughs> oh
1: He just hangs it like a wreath <laughs> Huh. Or or, or, or like, or, yeah, he, he just hangs it. He just hangs it like bunting over his bed. Yeah, oh
0: God. <laughs> That's nice, right? And the other demon doesn't answer. He just kind of <laughs> like looks away and keeps putting his bed together.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we've got episode one ready to go. Yeah. But the most important part of any show, just like the most important part of any movie, is the name. And, you know, we always have a conversation about what we're going to call our creations. It's not even going to be necessary this week because I've got the perfect name for our show.
2: Well, let's see, because, you know, I had a I wrote down like seven ideas or something like that.
1: Well, I don't I didn't need seven. I just needed one.
2: (laughs) All right. What's your idea? (laughs) All
1: right, guys, check it out. Our show is going to be called Aramintari, colon, work is hell.
2: Jamie! One of my titles was Work is Hell. Nice. <laughs> that was great. That's funny
0: because my idea was Erementari
1: Work is Hell. So. <laughs> oh, well, I guess that's it then. We're done. I guess so. But let's, you uh, know, oh, just. Wait.
2: The title, and just to like. Recap, we want the title for our pilot episode to be Orientation Day.
1: Yes, that's important. But, you know, just for the sake of, like, being a complete and scientific process, Chelsea, let's hear your other six titles.
2: Okay. Working Friends. Mm,
1: Too Friendly.
2: Stuck in the Layers with You. I like that like one. Like The Layers of hell. It's a little loquacious, oh, but I
1: do like that. Some,
2: I, I That's thought of that. so
1: badass.
2: <laughs> I thought of that, but then some shows do kind of have longer titles like that. So um, Corporate Underworld's a little on the nose.
1: I mean, it's a little on the nose, but also very evocative right yeah 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 that could
2: maybe be the name maybe some of these could be like the names of some of the episodes Episodes,
1: absolutely Uh, corporate underworld is like probably like the season one like midpoint
2: yeah and then
0: where he's meeting
1: all the managers exactly
0: uh
2: slackers but that's the name of a movie but it could be a title of an episode
1: what about like infernal slackers
2: i like that Mm -hmm. yeah and then to hell and back (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> <laughs> we talked about them going to uh heaven and back to earth and stuff yeah but i mean that's those are gonna be like
1: arcs that's not the whole point of the show
2: no so maybe that could be uh, like i like all of these for episode titles like we were saying
1: I yeah think it works. exactly yeah but i so, mean i think we all agree that work is hell is kind of the perfect name
2: yeah right? aramintari work is hell <laughs>
1: the names of the episodes could be so good too like
0: uh, blazed at work. Oh <laughs> nice. yeah. Or like nine to five torture.
1: <laughs>
2: Hell yeah.
1: Oh, uh, I like nine to five torture, or nine to five is torture, or torture yeah, yeah. nine to five. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. see. Um, the grind. The nice. grind is good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> punching the pitchfork. <laughs> oh,
0: that's yeah. I like that. That's good. Uh, nice suffering through the
1: day
2: (laughs) oh yes you made me think that their pitchforks have a barcode on them and they have to scan them in when they're they clock in for their shift
1: oh dude of course yeah that's like (laughs) checking in for the day absolutely yeah but it's got to be a really involved process just so it's extra torturous for everybody involved
2: a long line at least
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, even though you, like, have, like, pre-prescripted times to show up, like, the times are specifically designed to keep the lines extra long. Right. Yes.
2: That's working as intended. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as designed.
1: God, I really want there
0: to be a scene where one of the main demons that our main character works with makes, like, a pun during orientation in the demon boss is just staring at him wide-eyed. He's like, we don't do that here.
1: <laughs>
0: we don't do that.
2: <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Well,
1: I mean, I think we, uh, we nailed it. Like we're not going to do any better than that.
2: Yeah. We got it down.
1: We'd like to thank you all for tuning in to this episode of rewriting history on Aramintari, the blacksmith and the devil. And we hope you enjoyed our ideas and, uh, We'll uh let the networks know to uh check us out and g- give us the pilot,
2: yeah, if anybody from uh adult Swim is listening to this, hit us up,
1: yeah, or any of the big networks i'm I'd be fine uh selling this to anyone,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we'll enter into our own hellscape
1: dun dun I am willing to accept that hell <laughs> <laughs> i am i am willing to work within that hell, yeah. But hey, until next time, keep writing your stories.
2: See you later.
1: Alligator. (laughs)
2: Later.
0: Swords in satire. Now that's an episode.